check mic, check mic, one, two, one, two, and go. <laughs> Vipika Dim, welcome to Lost in Our 40s. This is a podcast giving Kenyan women a voice on growing up and liking it, or at least trying to. <laughs> I'm your host, Shiro, and each week we shine a light on ways we can try and make life work better for us. Grab your favorite drink and let's chat for a while. Karibu. Today, we're speaking about core strategies keeping us from authenticity. I was reading a book called The Warrior Goddess Training, and in it, there's a quote from Pablo Picasso that says, There are only two types of women goddesses and doormats. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> slapped and whoa as in can can you ease me into that pablo picasso is the artist you know i thought he was nice (laughs) but got me to thinking i mean that's such a bold statement and has a lot to do with what we've been talking about on this podcast in terms of the good girl syndrome knowing ourselves etc etc going the route of the doormat is frankly easier than the goddess because if you're a goddess that means you're standing up for yourself you're occupying space in the world you're letting yourself be seen and that takes a lot of effort whereas the doormat is the path of least resistance the author of this book um, Hitharash Amara says that Um, What we need to do is learn how to get back to authentic selves if we find ourselves being a doormat. And she says, more likely than not, the reason we've pulled back into ourselves and, you know, haven't taken the goddess route, as she calls it, is more likely than not we are trying to strive for safety. She highlights four areas where people... um, the main, the main areas where she feels that women seek safety from, and these are by, the first one is by trying to change and manipulate the environment, which is controlling. The second is by distracting, which is bouncing from thing to thing. The next is by isolating and hiding and pretending to be small. And the last is by pleasing others and making sure that others like us. Sound familiar? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, so, so let's, she gives a bit more detail on each, and let's just do that. Let's look at each of these. Um, she calls them, what does she say? Core strategies. She calls them the core strategies of coping. I really don't think I can do it better than her. So, with your permission, I shall just um, read a page from the book. So it says, as women, most of us have a bit of all four strategies working within us. We also have a whole lot of one of them within us. Your core strategy is your go-to response, which gives you a sense of power when you feel scared or confused. The purpose of your core strategy is to keep the world manageable and to create a sense of safety and stability controllers. Controllers feel safe when they are in control of the world around them or their own internal world. 
Controllers can be great leaders and visionaries, but often their gift is used to squash uncomfortable situations, to force people to do what they want them to do, and to limit expression. Controllers manage their own and others' emotions through subtle and blatant domination or manipulation. They believe their way is the right way. I find as women, this is a fairly easy one to fall into. We at times have so many responsibilities, so much to do, then it makes sense sometimes, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> But it makes sense sometimes to just try and get everyone to do things you the way you want it done. Because if the socks were not left on the floor, then it wouldn't be your job to go around picking up those socks. And you'd be able to get to where it is you wanted to get on time. So there, there might be some frustration around getting things in order. And maybe that's why they speak of moving to manipulative or other tactics, because you are right. That's what it says. You, you, you feel you must be right. It is not possible that the place for socks is on the floor. Therefore, it must go in the hamper. And for all those people who don't know how to put it in the hamper, we must do what we can to make sure that they do understand and get it done. And that builds up all this frustration around us. And perhaps the thing to ask there is what would happen if the socks were not in the hamper? What, you know, what would, would the world end? <laughs> Who taught us that socks have to go to the hamper? And if the person who's not putting it there, and I'm assuming at this point it's not the child, because presumably the children do need to be taught how to keep things well and orderly. So if these are the people in your home doing things in ways that you would not prefer. Like say the remote control. The remote control is meant to go on the left side of the coffee table because that is how the remote control was kept in the house where you grew up. <laughs> and you've been terrorizing your household because the remote control is sometimes on the right. <laughs> I'm making light of it, but I mean, I, and I see it in my own life. I think there are these subtle little things that I find must be in a certain way. And even I probably just need to go back and ask myself, who told me it needs to be that way? And what is this grave consequence that arises if things are different? Because according to, um, what's her name again? Hitharash Amara. This is just a tactic, uh, what does she call it? A, a, a core strategy that we're using from being inauthentic. Food for thought. <laughs> okay, um, the next one is distractors. So I read again. Distractors keep themselves safe by staying busy and checked out. Instead of feeling their feelings or facing discomfort, distractors spend hours playing video games, doing projects, hobbies, talking to friends, seeking out anything that can be a distraction. Distractors have a great gift of multitasking and are often mentally nimble, but their energy is easily scattered and they have a very difficult time focusing and creating what they want in the world. Hmm. Somewhere further on in this book, she says that this is something that is absolutely true of today's society. 
when everyone is always on their phone, constantly scrolling, spending hours upon hours upon hours scrolling. I was listening to a podcast the other day and um, the host was talking about how she woke up one day, was it like at four in the morning because she couldn't sleep? And the next time she looked at her clock, it was 10 in the morning. And she couldn't imagine that she had spent 10 hours, uh, sorry, six. <laughs> I promise I can count. And she had spent six hours of her life just mindlessly scrolling through um, social media. And that's the thing. It's so attractive. It's so easy. We, um, I think I mentioned this in one of the podcasts before, that this is how our attention is taken away from us. Just jumping from um, funny video to funny video to meme to serious content to X, Y, Z. And all these things, of course, are things which mean something to us. And of course, the algorithm has been created in such a way that it just feeds you more and more and more to keep you there. And all the while, you know, the sun is shining, we don't notice. But in the context of this book, saying this, uh, it's, it's a coping strategy. It's, it's, it's something that's keeping you from being authentically yourself. And the more you're kept away from being authentically yourself, the more you don't stand up for yourself. Because instead of dealing with this issue that is actually um, at the forefront, we find these a thousand little things to do. And while the phone is a good example, the other one could just be filling our days with thousands of tasks. From uh, this, it was, I think it was that's just this week for me. I, I had something that I wanted to do, but between the dishes and the cleaning and the laundry and heaven knows what, I, the day was just passing by and, and I called myself to a meeting and asked myself, what, why am I trying to avoid this thing that I'm meant to be doing? And it was an interesting conversation because you see, the things I was doing were real things that needed to be done. But it's just that I seemed to be um, putting all those responsibilities at that time. And then in my mind, it was a, it was, it was, it was a real excuse. <laughs> It was a real excuse that the dishes were dirty. Who else was going to clean them? It was for me to do. I had to clean the dishes. So I think that's part of um, the point of this book, that if we don't stop and notice these things that we're doing, if we don't take pause and question ourselves, and more question the why, question why it is we found ourselves in a particular destructive um, activity, because in that case, in my case, I, I, I was well aware. I, I did have something to do and I was well aware I needed to do it. So at least I had that um, awareness at the front of my mind, which is what made me stop and ask myself why all these things are in the way. There were other ways I could have planned it. I could have done them at other times. I could have spread them throughout the week or something like that. I could have gotten someone to help me. But uh, no, this is when I was putting on my superwoman cloak. Being overly busy in the domestic space is also one of the problems here. This is part of what the book is saying, that these are distractions to some extent, and we are happy to take it on, and we are inauthentic because we are busy. We are busy doing other things, and then we end up being Pablo Picasso's um, doormat instead of the goddess. Deep stuff today. <laughs> All right, the next one. Isolators. 
Isolators habitually hide when they are scared or are in an uncomfortable situation. This hiding may be a physical or emotional retreat. When triggered, or before there can be any trigger, isolators hide for the safety of the hills. Oh, head, sorry. Isolators head for the safety of the hills. Isolators often have a very strong connection to spirit and an excellent sense of self, but they are split between a yearning to be deeply seen and understood and a desire to be invisible. They habitually constrict their energy and their choices. This made me think of a time when I was young. <laughs> and I can't remember. I think either I hadn't done my homework. I don't know what it is I hadn't done. But then I didn't want to go to school. And because my mom was a nurse, I couldn't pretend to be sick. She knew it. She, she would see right through me. So I just went up to her and told her I don't want to go to school. And then she asked me why. And then I told her, I, can't, I don't know what I was trying to run away and hide from. And she told me, no, she, 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 she encouraged me to um, face it head on. And I think this is really what isolation is with our big bag, uh, with our big girl socks on, with our big girl panties as adults. As adults, sometimes we have a potential conflict with somebody and we don't want to face them. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to engage we don't, it's easier not to engage, yeah? Because engaging needs you to come out and explain. It, it needs you to be authentic. It's just that again. It needs you to be authentic. It needs you to be vulnerable. It needs you to show up, speak up for yourself. And sometimes it's easier to just hide away. And it need not even be a conflict situation. It may be learning to become small and invisible and keeping our voices and our opinions to ourselves. So we get into our cocoon and don't always get out of it. We become the ostrich with our head in the sand. Okay, then we go to the next one, pleasers. Pleasers believe they will only be accepted and safe when they are helping others. Pleasers constantly, constantly scan other people's reactions wanting to make sure that everyone is happy. Their gifts are sensitivity and an aptitude for sacred service, but when they are in their strategy to keep safe, they become hyper-vigilant and outer-focused. The result is they often feel victimized and resentful. Pleasers often feel lost when they are not caretaking or acting to satisfy the perceived needs of others. Oh yeah, pleasers. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's maybe the definition we have in mind when we are thinking of the doormat. We spoke about that before, and it's interesting to see here that it's born from the intention of safety. That we protect ourselves by trying to please others because if everyone else is okay, then there's no again conflict. There is nothing wrong. And it's interesting that the gift noted is um, sensitivity and that pleasers will feel um, resentful. It's the feeling that so much has been done by the pleaser and yet the other person hasn't been sufficiently um, grateful, maybe hasn't even noted it. Mm. So 
she says that the core strategy that you have is so woven inside you. It's it's something that you've been doing all your life. It's something that you learned as a child. So it would be first difficult to know it outright. A lot of what I I've just read maybe things that resonate with you, but it's not that easy to first of all know it still. It still takes a bit of um self-awareness to be able to point it out to 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 ourselves and additionally it's not something that you can just pluck out and close and say aha this is me i'm a pleaser forget it i'm not doing it anymore because of this fact that it's so much um woven into you it's so much a part of you she says that um instead of berating ourselves and saying oh we are so terrible because we have this she proposes that um we spend like uh, the next week or two being more uh conscious of this element of ourselves and trying to watch out for it and and um experience it when it does happen to take note of it and to appreciate the genius with which um we have this strategy that is so inbuilt in us that we manage to bring it out without ever thinking about it and how well it plays in to I'm sorry how well it plays into our daily lives I give the example there of um, the distraction so I, again it's just the fact that I noted that I was just spending my time on things that I, I realized that I was trying to avoid something and really the conversation in my head was that these things are super important they must be done and they are so that's why she talks about um noting the genius <laughs> of how it works something else i'd like to highlight from the book is that she gives us ideas on how to tackle these um coping strategies she says we pick a time frame um you know a, a determined time frame in which we carry out these actions proposed so for controllers she says do an opinion fast don't share your point of view even when you are asked for it go into silence make make a practice of saying i was wrong <laughs> for distractors she says practice regular 5 minute focus sessions where you stop and bring your attention to your breath and body do one thing at a time wait one minute between tasks for isolators she says go out to a gathering or event even if you don't feel like it set your intent to meet one new person a day go deeper with someone you know and trust by sharing a vulnerability for pleasers say no to any request you receive that you would usually say yes to when you are at someone else's house don't do the dishes or extra work if someone asks you where you want to have lunch share your opinion <laughs> so there you have it can take a time span a time span sorry you can take maybe a week or something to to practice some um, these and that's our homework this is now homework to all of us to try and practice to move ourselves again into our authentic selves because i'm sure we'd all rather be 
goddesses than doormats. Thank you all. Thanks for joining me in this one. I do appreciate you. I appreciate that you listen. And let's continue on this journey together. Bye-bye.